Hey, welcome to New Hope Underground, and we are continuing our Summer on the Mount series. That's right, Summer on the Mount. You know, I wonder how many churches have actually had Summer on the Mount, you know what I mean? You know, I thought it was pretty clever when I first heard it. Yeah, I, I, th- I, bet, I bet you there's a lot of them, though. It's probably not as clever as I think. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> what is it? Like Solomon wrote in all his wisdom, there's nothing new under the sun. Nothing new under the sun. Something like that. Mount. Anyway, I'm Darren Hansen, and with me is my son, Drew Hansen. Tis I. What's up? Hey, thanks for having me on, man. No, thanks for joining me at the last second, because I did ask you kind of quickly. But I thought it was cool, because I wanted some... I actually think it's cool, because I was hoping to have somebody help me out in this podcast that has not heard, or just you know hasn't picked up and read this text like like very recently. Right, yeah. Is Because I like the idea of like this kind of... Uh, shock and awe of the, this particular text anyway, and just reaction to it. Like if you were hearing it for the first just time. raw, unfiltered reaction. Yeah, yeah, because I, I don't know. I just think it'd be cool. And and I think sometimes we tend to read the Gospels and even the Sermon on the Mount a little bit, like because we've read it and heard maybe some of the words often, a little bit with uh, preconceived ideas, but also with sometimes just a little bit of complacency because we're, we just don't realize like what he's really saying, you know, sometimes. Yeah. But if you really just stopped and listened, like you were listening for the first time, you'd be like, oh my gosh. Yeah. What's going on there? <laughs> yeah. I think it's, I think it's cool to just, uh, to not have to prepare anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> well, there's too much pressure to, you tell me to be on a podcast. I'm like, I don't have anything smart to say. Oh, you, 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 get you smart, always you do. Get smarter people. Drew works here. He's uh, working with worship and uh, this summer. Yeah. And uh, then going into teaching this fall for the first time. That's it. Teaching French. And he's been on lots of podcasts with me before, so nothing too new. But uh, hey, welcome. And we are we are in um, Matthew chapter 7 and looking at verses 13 through 27. And we're going to read that real quick, and then we're going to go through just some, just some notes and talk about some observations. And I'm going to start with Drew's observations first since, you know, untainted, mm-hmm. if you will. I've already been kind of studying this passage, and then, then we'll kind of mix in some stuff. But at the same time, if you've been on here and you've listened to what we do, uh, this usually drops Sunday morning of the same Sunday that we preached the sermon on. So uh, some people listen to it early, some people listen to it afterwards. But uh, for the most part, uh, we try not to repeat a ton of things, but give you like some of the extra stuff that, that we don't necessarily approach in the sermon. So we're going to try to do that again today, but uh, it's, awful, it's awfully hard not to go, hey, here's what I really think it means, <laughs> and get to the core of it. So hopefully with the combination of this and the sermon, you get some good stuff uh, as far as background goes when it comes to the uh, some Sermon on the Mount. So do you want to read by chance? Yeah, what uh, what version you got going? I've been I use the ESV. ESV. Uh, English Standard Version. That's what I use all the time. It's just just my go-to. So what I've been studying is out of out of that. So okay, what what uh, scripture? Matthew chapter seven. All right, yeah, thirteen through twenty-seven. All right, you just want me to just start yeah. going? Yeah, go. All right, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter it enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. 
Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly have in, inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes, are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? That is a hard sentence to say. <laughs> yep. All right. So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. A lot of fruit talk. A little fruit. All right, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will, <laughs> sorry, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast, cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on, the, on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the, on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Yeah, and I think it's important to note there's only uh, uh, two more verses here to kind of finish up the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 7. When Jesus finished these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as their scribes. Now, that's, that's going to be key a little bit, actually, and um, when it comes to the context. But now, the story, I mean, these are, there's like three or four famous things in here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like uh, at least sayings that I think a lot of people have heard. But the, the big one's probably the house thing, right? The wise man, the foolish man. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that one since I was a little kid. Yeah. There was a, little, there was a song he used to sing as a kid. The f- wise man built his house upon the rock. His house wise man built his house upon the rock. Wise man built his house upon the rock, and the rocks the, stood firm or something. I don't know. I forgot yeah, already. I was, I'm getting confused with uh, Joshua in the Battle of Jericho. <laughs> 12, it's like, Tim, and the wall yeah. came tumbling down. Oh, the wall down. came tumbling down. <laughs> like, yeah. wait, there's no wall here. <laughs> In a way, I guess. But, uh, yeah, so now let's just take this. Let's take this piece by piece because now here's what's interesting. I'm going to kind of introduce it this way. It's interesting, okay, if you look in your Bible, your Bible probably has these little sections, and it has numbers, of course, chapters and verses, little sections. And if you go, the ESV anyway, the section of 12 through 14 is sectioned off together, and it says the golden rule, which is verse 12. Now, we didn't read verse 12. And now here's the thing. Why are we not covering verse 12? Well, I want to kind of explain that because... Because the golden rule is kind of you know a big famous thing. Why are we skipping that? And what, does it have anything to do with the context of what we just read with thirteen through twenty seven? There is a little bit of a division here, even, even though interpreters of different uh, English versions will kind of suction them off uh, differently. I want to kind of show that how I'm kind of interpreting it the best I can here is that I really think verse twelve is kind of the end of all the ethical teachings that Jesus is giving. You know, we, we, we talk about all the things we've been preaching on here this summer. Uh, we kind of started off with some introductory material. 
with the Beatitudes and with Jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophets. But then we get into what we call the ethical teachings. You know, uh, what is actual, you know, um, murder? What is actual adultery? You know, that kind of thing. And we got into even uh, last week was do not judge. Okay. So the golden rule almost seems to be like summing up all these ethical teachings which is doing to other people as you want, you know, want them to do to you. I mean, it's kind of like, it's like, it's like a summary. Mm-hmm. And then verse 13, there does seem to be a shift where he starts to kind of go into what, you know, what we consider the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount. When we say the word conclusion, we think of like in high school writing papers. It's the, the very, summary. It's a summary of the very last paragraph. Yeah. Uh, but conclusion, if you really think about it, isn't always about summary. It's also about, so what? Answering the question, so what? Mm-hmm. Of everything else we just got done, I'm bringing it to a conclusion, meaning meaning that I'm going to conclude something, not just end it, mm-hmm. but make a decision about all these things we got done. So there's kind of this conclusion going on with verse 13, and that's where we kind of start. That's why we're starting with verse 13. So 13 through 27 is the conclusion, if you will, of the Sermon on the Mount, of where he says, okay, I've been teaching all these things. Now what? So what? You know? And so, and then he starts with verse 13, which, and I'm going to read it again, Drew. I just want you to listen this time. And I just okay. want you to react to these, these uh, two verses as if you were hearing them for the first time. And if you were in Jesus' audience, and you just got done listening to all the Sermon on the Mount, right? Mm-hmm. Here we go. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Hmm. Oh, my reaction to that? Yeah. If I'm hearing it like it's the first time, it's, yeah, it's just a simple message of this is not going to be easy. Hmm. Yeah. Like, this is going to be difficult. And it's going to go against what everyone is saying. Mm. And what's not going to be easy exactly? Your life. Yeah, your life. Yeah, the way of the kingdom is not um, the sometimes the obvious thing. Well, obeying the things you just got done teaching, mm-hmm. that's not going to be easy. What, what, what else goes into your mind? I mean, if you were hearing this for... First time, when you th- in fact, probably when you've heard this before, when you think of wide is the road that leads to destruction, narrow is the road that leads to life. See, to me, when I hear it, I think Judgment Day. I, oh, I, sure. My yeah. mind goes right to Judgment Day. Yeah. See, so, well, life isn't going to be easy. That's very, very true. But I also think, oh my gosh, does this mean? Is this does this mean that? There's going to be very few people in heaven then, like, and I remember like the apostles asking him questions like, stuff like, well, if it's so hard, like, who can obey anything? Who's ever going to be saved? I remember Peter asking that question. Mm. Who can who can even be? That's a good question, <laughs> right? Who can be saved? And that's when this is in John 15. This is where Jesus actually says to him, "Well, he who does, you know, everything with I think it's John 15. I'm sorry if I misquoted that, but um, everything with God is possible." So in other words, it's not based on you for salvation anyway. It's based on, on him. 
But it, it just it does seem like a you know end of the time kind of almost like a threat. That's interesting. I didn't I didn't pick up on Judgment Day. But interesting. That, that, that I mean I I get why you how you got there for sure. Yeah, I I viewed it as simply that the way of the world is what has led us to this. <laughs> To where we're at now, yeah. just not life being destruction. A, it's already destruction. Yeah, yeah, and the the way of the kingdom is so different, and it's yeah. But I definitely see what you're saying, though. No, I I'm I'm bringing up I think things that other people have said. Mm-hmm. It's their interpretation, understanding, and what I've thought too a little bit. But it's interesting. The very first time, like if you're listening to it the first time, you don't necessarily think that. Right. Yeah. If, yeah. It, if it's purely through that filter, then. Yeah, I'm not thinking about the afterlife. I'm thinking the way it is now, like the the way the way to enter by the narrow gate. I guess that makes sense. What you're saying. Sorry, I'm like scattered, but no, no, no. There's a lot, you're not there's scattered. A, there's a lot of places you could, you know, take your mind with this thing. No, it's interesting. You know, this these words here are really interesting. I'm gonna get into the, a little bit in my sermon about narrow and wide and destruction and life and and the gates. You know and this kind of thing, like what, and, and not only that, but I think there's precedence here. In other words, I think he's actually quoting something that's already been out there for a while, and he's kind of reusing it, mm-hmm. retooling it. We'll get into that in the sermon. And not only that, but part of uh, the, the big, one of the biggest questions you always ask yourself, you know, when you're trying to understand a text, is you, who is the audience here? And who's Jesus talking to, and is that significant at all? And I think there's a great significance to his particular audience. Uh, but yeah, I think a lot of us, okay, I think we kind of nailed it there. There are two things when you take this first section. One is that, hey, life is not going to be easy if you follow me. And you may you may think it is or something, but you've got the wrong idea. And secondly, uh, when it comes to the end of time, does that mean fewer people, you know, and, and we're going to get into a little bit, maybe what he's, what he's saying there a little bit more in the sermon, but those are really, really good responses. Now, second part. He talks about beware of false prophets and come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You're going to recognize them by their fruit. And then he goes into the fruit trees mm-hmm. kind of thing. Just your initial reaction. What's he talking about? Any idea? Uh, <laughs> I think I think uh, he's basically just saying there's going to be a lot of people that talk pretty. Mm. And talk a good talk. Yeah. That's going to make it sound really nice. That's going to, that you're going to get distracted by or maybe even follow. And basically, don't go near those people because at the end of the day, they don't have a true understanding of what the kingdom actually is when it's something that's very difficult. It's not necessarily um, an easy path. Do you think some false prophets are innocent? Yeah. I mean, isn't there a scripture that talks about that? Well, I remember, I remember some guys like the disciples were concerned about who were preaching things, and right. Jesus said, "No, nah, don't stop right. them." But he, he he didn't stop them because what they were preaching was right, even though they were they were not necessarily so false right. prophets, as in people who are speaking falsely. Yeah. So are they innocent? Yeah. Then no. And you see, that's the thing. I I think I always feel like there are people who like even me. I'll say even me, but that's a Mm-hmm. including myself, mm-hmm. when you're younger, it's amazing how much false theology you swallow. Yeah. And as you get older and you find out 
Oh, I, that's really messed up. Why did I believe that? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, as you start to, hopefully, as you start to grow. I think a lot of people innocently tend to swallow false theology. But do you think that's what he's talking about here? You know, like you said, probably not, right? No, I think I think he's he's talking about people who are who are just straight up lying and people who are using. The, when I think false pro false prophet or false preachers, you could think of it that way now. Yeah, like people who are using the name of Jesus to push their own thing or to push their own agenda or push their own values, like that of money. That's a common one, but yeah. And you would think that there's there's some intentionality here. The thing that tip me off is wolves in sheep's clothing. Mm-hmm. That's intentionality, isn't it? I mean, the wolf is dressing up yeah, like it's a lying. sheep. Yeah, it's lying. Deceiving on purpose, the other sheep on purpose, right? so that he can eat them and devour them, basically, or, or make sure that they don't do what sheep should be doing, which is following the shepherd. Yeah, I, I think the key word is probably false then and not incorrect. Yeah. Not, not incorrect yeah. prophet, but false prophet. Yeah, he kind of, and he and he makes sure he makes sure like I think uh, the, in the Greek it false has that word pseudo in it, mm. you know, like uh, like it's where we get Fake. psychology and pseudo, <laughs> you know, dividing of the soul disguises uh, its, itself as as uh, something of substance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so you, it seems like there's intentionality here. So he's talking about and who. I guess the question is, now, now I'm going to tell you what, before I even get to this next question, what about the fruit here? Um, what is he saying then? How can you determine if one's a false prophet or not? Um, basically, good fruit can't come from bad trees. So, so what, is, what is good fruit according to Jesus? The ways of the kingdom that he laid out. He just laid out. He just got done yeah. with it. So, in other words, these people who say... This one, is your rubric. <laughs> yeah, say, hey, I'm all about God, I'm all about Jesus, but their lives, they don't live anything in the Sermon on the Mount. Right. What Jesus said with authority, right. by the way, uh, then you could you could say, hey, they're, they're false. You know, mm-hmm. which is interesting because that seems like a... I don't know, I would think that you would, you would determine some false teachers just by the words they're saying, which... I think is probably true. I don't think you. I don't think it's just cut and dry one or the other. But Jesus doesn't say that. He doesn't say you. Say you'll recognize them by the words they're saying. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But I, but I have to think that that's going to be part of it. But but by their but by their fruit and you know, why they how they now one thing I thought was interesting was this is um is it possible that Jesus is talking about certain false prophets? Like he's got somebody in mind. Well, he's talking to specific people, so potentially, yeah. Yeah. Now, who are they? Now, this has been an argument for, as I started to dig into this, I couldn't, I couldn't believe how many, you know, scholars came up with different ideas of who these false prophets could be, and a lot of people tie, a lot of them like to tie this into, um, to Matthew twenty four when he talks about false prophets rising up, and it's more of an eschatological end times kind of discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that some like to thrust into it anyway. I'm not so sure it is all the time. But anyway, when you when you start to compare these things, you have to ask yourself the question, who's he talking about? Is he talking about, could he be talking about somebody specific or is it just in general or or what? And I think, so the answer I've kind of concluded anyway, uh, I'm going to get into in the sermon. Oh. 
<laughs> because I th- I think it's kind of key to the text. I don't I don't know I don't know as much as you do, but I guess maybe if I'm thinking about it the first time and I'm one of those people back then, and maybe I mean I've I've read and I've heard that there were all sorts of uh, people that that claim to be of these miracle type workers and yeah and they would travel their lives looked similar to Jesus in terms of uh, trying to gain followers and travel oh, yeah. town to town and especially after Jesus had resurrected and mm-hmm. ascended mm-hmm. you've got a period of time before the destruction of Jerusalem where you there's one false prophet after another one false messiah right after another I think it's possible that he's referring somewhat to that but but I'm not so sure. You know, there, I think there's some other answers too. Some that I think are more, con- maybe even more contemporary uh, to his audience. Yeah, no, no, this is good stuff though, because if you kind of start to think, hey, who is he talking about here? Uh, then maybe, um, I don't, here's another thing that's interesting. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do mighty works in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Um, hmm. Ouch. One thing I want to bring up real quick before we actually, you know, I want to get a reaction just to that statement alone, okay? Mm-hmm. So be thinking about that. But before we get into that, uh, some people like to say, well, the, have, there's a question here. If he's talking about a specific group of false prophets, is this statement in verses 21 through 23, is it the same people, the same group, or is it a different group? I I hear it as the same. Yeah. That's my first inclination. Yeah. But I lean towards another group. Why? And, well, there's several reasons, and that's going to come up in the sermon. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you're doing. I no. see what you're doing. No, I, I, you know, I, 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 there really are several reasons, but uh, it does seem like a little bit of a shift from because let's let's think about let's. Had, I'll tell you what. Let's just get your reaction first to the statement. It's pretty well known. Three verses here. You've heard them before. Yeah, yeah. Um, my reaction is, uh, "Ouch! I better mean what I say," and. And um, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Other than the fact that I, I think of a lot of these like celebrity style <laughs> pastors, where you just you don't know who they actually are. Mm. You mm. don't know them. They could be terrible, terrible people. We don't know, but th- somehow we still treat them as our pastors. <laughs> um, because they're charismatic. They're charismatic. And I when I say charismatic, I don't mean. Spiritual gifts and that kind of thing. I mean, in, in charismatic personality, to, attractive. Yeah, charismatic and yeah. personality. Just something that our culture values extremely, extremely highly. Um, but yeah, I guess that's my reaction is just don't necessarily trust the charisma just because you say the right right things. Yeah. This is, this is a scary verse for me because it's like, so what you're saying, Jesus, is that there are lots of people who appear to know all the church stuff, do all the church stuff, mm-hmm. you know, toe the Christian line, say the right things, even 
perform miracles. Mm-hmm. That's you know, I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, it's it's purely like um, it's almost like a purely just cultural obedience and not an obedience to the kingdom of God. Exactly, if that makes sense. That's exactly. I'm gonna. Uh, before we, we're going to sum up here in just a little bit, but I want to read another passage. It's a parallel passage. It's in Luke 13, verse uh, 22. Because Luke writes the same kind of thing, but a little bit differently. That's what the Gospels tend to do. You know, they, but it's interesting. He went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying through Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and not be able to. And once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, you begin to stand outside and knock at the door, saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you. I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, well, we ate and drank in your presence. We taught in our streets. But he will say to you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets of the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out. Now, see, Luke 13 is a reason why I think I have a good idea who he's talking about, the false prophets. However, it's interesting how he includes the knocking. Mm-hmm. Well, that he talks about knocking in Matthew, but a little bit earlier when he says, knock and then the door will be open to you and seek and you shall find. And we use that verse to mean our prayer to get what we want. But in this context, he says, he's talking about the door as in, Narrow was the gate because he shut the door. You've got to knock and ask to even come in. It's the, in other words, it's about salvation. <laughs> so I find that interesting. Mm. So that's a question that brings me. You know, like, there's so much salvation's message going on in here. You know, like, uh, but at the same time, uh, we need to sort through it. And then he then he ends with the wise and the foolish builders, right. And again, I can't help but think this is end times judgment stuff again. A lot of us want to say this is the way we build our lives, and that kind. Of, and I'm not saying there's no. I, I think I think a lot of things in Scripture can have a meaning for now and a meaning for later, you know. Mm-hmm. But I but I think that there's a little judgment talk here that the house, the life that you actually build, if you build it on your own, uh, without not listening to to His commands or obeying His commands, that is going to fall flat. Now. Last thing, Drew, we're going to bring up before we sign off here, and that is this. I find it interesting that um, with all this all this talk that Jesus actually, at the very last, those two, last two verses, that he spoke with such authority, not mm-hmm. like the scribes. The scribes talked about Torah and the authority of the Torah, but this audience is seeing Jesus as being the new Torah. Mm. Now, Jesus said he did not come to make a new Torah, came to fulfill that which was already there. So in other words, what he's saying is, I am God. He's speaking with authority because he is God. And so to obey his words is to obey God. And there is no salvation for those who don't do the will of God. So the Sermon on the Mount is it's huge. <laughs> If you really think about it, this is God revealing what he always meant with the law, Mm. what he always meant with what he wanted for us and our relationship with him and relationship with each other. Yeah, it's it's not just some moral code. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Hey, we'll end on that. 
Hey, thank you uh, for joining us, and we'll be back uh, soon. We're done with the Summer on the Mount. This was our last one. So we, as we wind up chapter 7 here of Matthew. It was a good and one. And we'll jump into a new series. Listen to the series overview that is coming up right after this, which is on the, our new series called Battle Reading.